where I lived, probably got broken into probably more than 10 times. Like that is wow. people going in and breaking in. Like, it's still something, right? To do debating instead of doing like sports was probably the most critical decision I made in my life. Mm. And then here's why. That is the most ambitious thing anyone can do. Imagine a country realizing everyone's potential and making sure that that potential is realized. Welcome everybody. This is Alpha Delta, a podcast where we have conversations with people who operate at a higher level than most with the hopes that it motivates and inspires people to become the best version of themselves. So today I'm joined by a very special guest. I'm joined by Goodman. Goodman is someone who I've had the honor of going to high school with and university with. And, you know, we've had very shared similar experiences and is somebody who has done a lot of very impressive things and um, inspires me in a lot of ways. But uh, Goodman, for those who don't know who you are, uh, can you just, you know, introduce yourself, let us know who you are, where you're from, what you do and where you go to school? Yeah, Joe, uh, thanks so much for this. I wanted to first say congrats on this podcast. I saw uh, you from the early days of creating this and it's very commendable and very impressive what you've done, not only to the podcast, but I also think yourself, you know, they say the biggest investment one could make is to themselves, right? To improve themselves uh, and how you inspire a lot of people online uh, with what you've done. Uh, And thanks so much for for this uh, opportunity to, you know, be uh, one of your guests. Um, yeah, my name is Goodman. Um, to those who don't know me, and Goodman Laporta, I'm originally from South Africa, uh, but I'm currently uh, in Dublin and living in Dublin. And I think I've been abroad for around uh, 10 to 11 years, um, both uh, in the States uh, and, uh, and, and in Dublin. Yeah. And I'm in the tech. Uh, I work in tech. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome, yeah. awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the introduction. Um, so the first question I have for you is um what are you passionate about and why? Wow, that's a really good question. Um I would say that throughout time, I think this question has evolved. Um because right. I, I still remember uh it has evolved, but it's uh in some way it's like it's there's something that like there's like a core principle that, you know, I still come, I still get back to. So for example, when I was very, very young, um, uh, my mom used to ask me, what is it that you want to do? And most of the time I would say to her, uh, I would watch CNN uh, 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 through DSTV. And I would say, I was really fascinated by journalists who were in really critical areas and reporting from those areas. And I think I remember during those days, it was the, Afghanistan, Iraq wars taking place. And I would see them and CNN would be reporting. And I would say to my mom, this is what I want to do. I want to be in these spaces and, and yeah. telling stories and, and reporting from this. And um, she'd be very surprised to be like, why, why would you want to do that? Um, right. And in some ways, I would say that, that some of the things that uh, currently motivate me uh, or get me going, it's that um, the the wanting to uh, wanting to share stories or tell stories about people and um, uh, and origin like origin stories like where people are from and and what they do and what drives them and you know uh, and 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 what they're passionate about 
Um, and I would, I would say that, but another thing is to kind of improve uh, people's livelihoods, right? Right. Uh, and uh, kind of see people improve uh, from who, you know, what they were to what they could, could possi- uh, sorry, possibly be. But I would say that there's something around the word story um, mm. when it comes to to passion, to what I'm passionate about. Uh, uh, the the fact that the story is important. That's why I like politics and business. Um, and uh, but yeah, I would say I would say that uh, story is uh, is something that I get back to uh, even in my core work um, and and something that I I I, I circle back to. Yeah, I, right. I hope that answers. I hope that answers your question. But I'm yeah. really, really passionate around story, telling it, sharing it, uh, engaging in it, uh, and uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Be, yeah. It answers the question completely. I mean, like you said, what I hear from you is just, you know, telling stories and then I guess improving people's lives. So to some way, like wh- where that synergy is, right, between telling stories, sharing stories, that is, and how you can like improve people's lives because of those stories you tell. Yeah. And I think if you were to think around how those those values or those principles and the story connects to some of the things that I do. Uh, right. One of them is professionally, I'm a, I'm a salesperson. Right. I work in sales. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the most important thing in sales is the story. Uh, right. It's when you are speaking to a client and, um, and they can't see the value of what you're offering them. And mm. you need to connect that with the story to say, you are selling this product. And, um, and this is what the product means for the customer. And right. this is why it is important that you tell the story uh, to your customer because your customer needs your service or your product. Um, right. um, and that's where the story connects, right? You, you're connecting something so uh, something that they may not necessarily, maybe it's like software uh, or technology that they may not really understand and you're connecting it with this powerful story. And then the second one around improving um, I, I'm into like improving processes, like only only one out to uh, to improve processes and right. uh, you know systems and all that. And then you know uh, yeah, here comes in uh, like preamble, right? Uh, yeah. Wanting to provide information that can improve processes and systems. Yeah. So Goodman, you were just telling us a bit about what you're passionate about. You know, you're telling it, which is I guess you know sharing stories. And also improving people's lives but you know just taking a step back you sort of hinted about this in the previous question but can you just tell us what was growing up like for you you know what was your childhood like just give us that whole picture wow that's a really 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 good question um i've kind of in the historically i've answered this question but it is probably now that you know i'm relatively uh all like like in with time, I would say, yeah. uh, that I've reflected on this. And um, like from the World Bank metrics, I grew up relatively poor <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. versus uh, everybody else. And I remember being very young and obsessed with like the the, the roof of the house mm-hmm. uh, that we lived in or the ceiling. Uh, and there was no ceiling, you know, those uh, where you can actually see the wire and everything else. Right, yeah. And uh, also, the kitchen wasn't like installed to the wall. It was like those freestanding ones made of zinc. And I used to like look at my mom very young because, you know, if you go to your neighbor's house, you see that they have these things. 
and I used to ask myself, like, why, why do we, why is everything, everything like this? But I would say that I grew up in a very loving, uh, a loving home. Like my mom gave me the best love and she never made me feel any less. Um, and one of the examples I usually bring to what has added to me, even uh, given my background to really uh, push through was the way she, uh, uh, she raised me. And one of the things I remember being a, a, as a kid, um, if I was tough to do uh, something from school, should be the first one to say, you know, those celebrities that you're watching online <laughs> went to mm -hmm. school already. Yeah. Um, and you have to do the part. You have to, um, you, have to uh, you have to go to school. And um, that is something that I think uh, throughout my childhood, my mom was very persistent on to make sure that I went to school and I became the best at which, you know, I was at school. And I, I do um, think about the way I present myself today to 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 that to how she raised me like i would polish my shoes mm -hmm. iron my shirts iron my trousers look the best um and make sure that you know everything is like in order <laughs> and even now i still do that <laughs> you know uh i will make sure that okay everything is ironed everything is like put together you know that i'm you know i'm not looking i don't want to use the word crusty because <laughs> it's not a, a part of <laughs> like yeah. but uh, if those things that she installed about like this is how you carry yourself this is how you present yourself um i still i still embedded in who uh, i became um but i wouldn't necessarily say that like the child like my childhood was free of uh, other challenges that you know mm -hmm. uh, a childhood would have uh, challenges of and one of them i think about is the community that i lived in or the things that i observed I would say that for a child, one would argue, mm, you don't want to, you, you don't want to expose your child to that. One of them I would say is uh, crime. Um, mm -hmm. And I remember like where I lived, probably got broken into probably more than 10 times. Like that is wow. people going in and breaking in. Like you still something, right? And I think that does something to you as a child uh, to be like, oh, you wake up and, you know, you wake up in the morning and the fridge is in there or the, the TV is in there because last night some people broke in. Um, or um, the last one, which I think was, I don't want to call it traumatic because that's very aggressive, mm. is mm. when seven people, seven guys walked in and they had guns and you know they were like, hey, we're looking for this, we're looking for that. And for wow. me, I think even though if in South Africa, it's kind of a, a normal thing that you know your neighbors probably went through that you know, the previous week or the past year, and then now you're going through it. I think as a kid, that could be to some degree very traumatic, but in some ways it, it, it gives you kind of a perspective and a, 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 it makes you a bit tough. But I think uh, uh, when it comes to those things where I'm like, wow, I observed something uh, as a child that, you know, in the European Western context, people would find that very, um, uh, uh, very shocking, but for us, uh, to yeah. be fair, that's something that we observed uh, in uh, uh, um, uh, uh, like with with some sort of frequency, right? Uh, or you're walking down the the street and somebody's being robbed and all that. It is so interesting how that has kind of connected to when I remember when I moved into Europe. I would say that when right. I lived in the US, Americans are very private. 
to be mm-hmm. fair. There are places where I think Americans want their privacy. You have to have privacy. Um, and when you move to Europe, you realize, yes, there is that privacy, but Europeans, I would say, are very open to, uh, to, to some things. Mm-hmm. I remember when I moved into the apartment I moved into, I wanted to close the windows, close the doors, <laughs> and close everything. I mean, right. a lot of people still do that, like for safety and, and all that. But one of the things that I had observed was when people have like their curtains open and then they're doing things in their apartment and they're just going about their life. And in my mind, uh, coming from South Africa, I observed that. I was like, wow. That's very <laughs> that different. People, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. From the community that, mm-hmm. I, that I grew up in. I was like, wow, somebody could literally live yeah. with their windows open 24-7 and they're chilling with their family, they're eating or they're doing stuff and they don't care about who's observing inside. But I was like, that in my mind was like, in South Very Africa, different. that would not, you yeah. know, that would be not the safest thing or the smartest thing to do. Yeah, uh, I can uh, yeah, I can definitely relate with that a lot because even like here in yeah. Kenya, like it's, it's like so uncommon. Like it's very rare to find a house or like let's say if you're living in apartments, right? That don't have shears, right? You could have the curtains, but it's the shears that stop you from, I guess, clearly seeing exactly who's in the house. And this, you know, we're talking about like just apartments that could be maybe, I don't know, seven stories high, 10 mm-hmm. stories high. It's just a consistent thing where it's just like, it's just a thing where you, you don't, it's that privacy, that sense of privacy, that sense yeah. of like, you don't really want, people to be observing you, seeing what you're doing. Uh, yeah, it's just a very different like reality or way of living, right? Compared to like the Western world. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I maybe I'm attributing this to, I love South Africa, by the way. I grew up there and I uh, grew up in Joburg. I'm still South African in my heart and will go back to South Africa, give back in some way. I don't think there is any country in the world that is as beautiful as South Africa um and languages i mean you went to school there right. joe um but uh I, I relate this with the i think the probably the reason why i thought of that was because south africa has it, it's rated as one of the countries with high rates of organized crimes right mm. and organized crimes means smarts you know you need to be smart to carry out an organized crime like you need to have an end like you know the cashier needs to know the right. person behind the that person needs to know security and all that so for me knowing that and then the concept of seeing people open their lives like that was kind of fascinating yeah Mm, interesting very interesting yeah all right so uh just moving on to the next question um can you walk us through how you got to where you are today you know just tell us a bit about you know just a career path what are some of the things you've done just sort of like walk us through that journey. Wow. Um, it's been it's been a journey. And <laughs> I am hoping to God that this uh this journey will still continue, that I'm on a path to something or mm-hmm. towards something. Uh and I look back at my life, I'm like, wow, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> But there are things that uh, I could connect to that I'm like, okay, maybe um, um, I would say there was a lot of discipline involved with it. I grew up in South Africa in the, in the townships of South Africa and uh, with a single parent most of the time. Uh, and even though my brothers were in the house and 
you know, could see them grow up. I would say that most of my, um, you know, important and critical years were because of my mom, like growing up with my mom and uh, uh, in the township. Um, and um, I think there's something I think about, I have this thing about, and I've, I was trying to find a word uh, to describe this thing I have. I think it's called conviction. conviction when you like right. believe in something so much and you are grounded in that belief. And I think I have, I have that. Um, mm. And uh, I remember uh, the time where I think I sort of made a decision that I was going to do something different. And um, they usually say, you know, uh, if you lose a race, some people would argue, they're like, oh, this person lost the race 10 years ago. They didn't lose it in like this fight or this competition, right? It right. is a decision they made 10 years ago that finally led uh, to, to that. Mm -hmm. For me, when I you think you. about that, I would say the decision that I made when I was in high school to do debating instead of doing like sports was probably the most critical decision I made in my life. Mm, and then here's why. Right. There was a point in my ninth grade um, where they like they used to like you decide, oh, I'm going to play soccer or I'm going to play this and I'm going to play that. And Joe, to be quite honest with you, I knew in me, mm -hmm. I didn't want to do any of those. I knew I didn't want to do basketball or like soccer or like that, you know, the other options that are available because I had observed the things that I liked when I was in school. And most of them were, I would buy like newspapers and I'd be like in my sixth grade, seventh grade, I'd buy like newspapers. I was interested in like current affairs shows, like world, I, you know, I wanted to discuss like, you know, what's happening in the, with the wars. And I was like, hmm, that's yeah. a bit weird. Uh, but I think I'm going to do debating because debating will allow me to do that. Right. And to be quite honest, I remember because most of the debating team had girls in it, I had to kind mm. of like defend myself what I was doing. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to debating right. because the other guys do other stuff and all that. And I was like, oh, people are going to think I'm weird, but I actually want to do this debating thing and do debating. And yeah, and I did that. And uh, it turned out that I became a really good debater uh, in my high school. Um, and uh, my high school is called Gianna Secondary School in Tembisa. And um, and uh, I think in my ninth grade, I went to see a competition uh, that a, one of the senior girls in the team, uh, her name was Hani Matwala, um, she was going to compete. Right. And she was competing and I, uh, our uh, English teacher took us there. And I remember, I think she won that competition. I remember thinking, I want to do that. Right. <laughs> I was like, mm -hmm. that is what I want to do. I want to stand next to people and communicate ideas to them and convince them about why those ideas are important. I was like, that is what I want to do. Wow. And I started doing that in debating and I started ranking relatively high. And uh, the school system in South Africa is organized by districts. So you go right. like districts, regional, and then you go national and you go to worlds, international. Mm -hmm. So obviously I started ranking like, I'd beat like the one at the school, and then the small region thing with cluster mm -hmm. schools. And then I would go to like district and then district regional. And then I then got to nationals. And mm -hmm. that's when I realized I was like, wow, I'm actually really, really good uh, in debating. Uh, and I was winning like, you know, but I was, 
it's, I would say it was kind of a sport because you have to be prepared. You have to know what is happening, the geographical, um, right. you know, I, what's happening in the world and all that. And I would ask my mom to, I mean, we were in, um, you know, we were living in the township and I would just ask her to uh, help with the, uh, with the funding of going to the competitions. And my mom then sold secondhand clothing. Um, which sometimes I, I, <laughs> now I say it as a joke, contributed to me having good style. <laughs> like, oh, I used to see, I, yeah. <laughs> I used to see them doing everything, you know, you know uh, this, is some style fab, sense. this is a fabric. Yeah. And, then, uh, and then the new ones, uh, sometimes when someone is wearing a marina wool, I'm like, oh, they're mm. this is the kind of wool they're wearing because I know. But anyway, connecting it back to this. Uh, yeah, and uh, then I used to ask her to be like, I need to go. Now we're going to this competition here. I know you don't have money, but I just need to go to Joburg in the CBD and compete at this hall. Um, and yeah, and, and I would rank high uh, versus, you know, uh, kids that went to really uh, good schools. And I and I think through that, I got exposed to a world before ALA that I wasn't necessarily familiar with. I remember mm -hmm. we went to St. John's College to compete for a debating competition. Yeah. And St. John's College in South Africa has produced some of the most, you know, notable uh south africans uh their alumni network right has one gone on to build a billion dollar companies in uh, in the country and become very very influential right. um and I, I going to these school halls i was like wow i didn't know that people go to schools that look like this you know <laughs> yeah. um and uh and uh through that, I became friends with some of those uh kids that went to those schools because if you go into debating camps and you maybe go to the KZN or Cape Town and there's a camp and all that, you get to meet these kids. And um, and uh, and I remember uh, one day I had won a competition and I was on the front page of a newspaper and my mom was like, wow, you're doing really, you know, and my community was really proud of me. Uh, and then came LA right. uh, and it came through um, from my teachers. They were like, you're doing really great and you, uh, you've you done good in debating and, you know, you've done good in your academics. So I was relatively good uh and i always wanted to rank high and um and yeah and uh and they were like there's a school called la you should apply to it and uh, uh my teacher my english teacher her name is mrs Sabui. she spoke mm -hmm. to my my principal then and they uh, agreed that i had to apply to the school and the school one of these top 100 kids from africa are doing this and right. uh yeah and then in my ninth grade i applied to la and I oh, got in. Great. Yeah, yeah. I applied and I and I went to uh and went to LA. Um oh, this was finally this weekend. So I went to two finally weekends at LA. So the okay. ninth grade one, relatively right. young, yeah, uh, and I didn't yeah. get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um and uh and then I went in again my eleventh grade. Mm -hmm. Uh in my eleventh grade. This is when I think I've said this uh, on some recording publicly. This is when I said to my mom, I'm going to the school. I know <laughs> we are not well off, but yeah. we're going to do everything possible to do it. I even I even thought of this idea of like my mom needed to find a way like for my family members to crowdfund for me to go to the school. Like I was so Man. sure that my future was going to change by going to the school. And right. eventually, uh, we didn't need to do all those things. Yeah, uh, I eventually got in at LA. Cola was willing to uh, fund me and my scholarship there. Um, and, uh, 
and eventually went to the US and got to go to the US and um, and uh, had a really incredible uh, experience through the MasterCard Foundation. Uh, and I went on to college with the same mindset and had some of the best experiences uh, at college, you know, uh, uh, interning for Hillary Clinton during 2016, which was incredible as a South African and getting to experience that. And then Bradley O'Perry, uh, working with them to run for student body president um, and eventually uh, moving to Ireland to get the job at Google. So it's just been an unfounding preamble while working at uh, Google on the side. And yeah, it's just been a journey. Uh, right. But I think if you had to at the, when they say somebody wants something because, you know, and they won it 10 years ago or someone, you know, lost something because they lost it 10 years ago. I think for me, if, we were to perceive this as having won something or achieved something. I think it takes me back to that decision that I made mm. in my nine, uh, where I was like, I'm not going to do, cause I was relatively shorter. Yeah. I was like, I'm not going to do uh, basketball uh, or running or, um, or soccer. I'm going to do debating because I really am fascinated about what's happening in the world. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's really interesting. Um, there's a lot of aspects about your story that that I can relate to, um, especially mm -hmm. the ALA thing. Um, you know, similarly, just like you, you know, I I actually applied the first time, and now in my school system we call them years, not grades. So I applied in year ten, and I didn't get in, but then I applied again in year eleven, and I was like, come rain or shine, this is the school I have to go, and then got in and finally made it to go there. So there's just like some similarities there. And that that experience yeah. um and then so like switching moving on over to like the next question um it's actually interesting you sort of already gave the answer to the next question mm -hmm. right uh but i guess just in case you might want to give a different response i'll just still ask you yeah, a question. Yeah, sure. um and the question is you know what has been one pivotal moment in your life that has shaped your career that has shaped my career yeah I guess, other than the decision you made 10 years ago. That has shaped my career right now, working at Google. Um, or just I in would general. say, mm. or in general. Yeah, yeah. I would say um, I am a learner. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the being continually wanting, like the continuous wanting to learn and improve myself. Um, um, and I usually say this thing and I want to communicate it in the right way. <laughs> um, if you were to say to me today, good man, you're not going to have this job that you're having today. You mm. are going to be somewhere, uh, somewhere else right now. I give my best. I give my 110% best at work, right? I show yeah. up, I, I, you know, uh, I'm a part of the community and all that, but, but I have always wanted to make sure that my skill set was so diverse and 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 I, I had different skills that if something happened that I would be able to kind of try and like uh move into a different field. So I'm constantly learning uh new things uh all the time every day. Like I uh, like like I mentioned before, this course started. I started learning calisthenics, uh, right. and I was like, I'm gonna take a calisthenics class. I didn't know how to swim. 
Uh, and I was like, I'm going to take this class for almost one year and it's going to help me to swim. And in by one year's time, we were in the open sea at night and during this class. Yeah. So like, we're going to put you there. We're going to teach you about currents. The current goes to the left. This is how you have to swim in, in, an, in an event uh, of danger um, or anything like that. So I think if there's anything that uh, it's a decision that I'm const constantly always making about... Yeah you know, like that is constantly improving the way I am is the, the, the learning part. And it is so interesting. I think that is where my confidence comes from. Right. Um, I don't, I think the other things that there are people like, I would say that there are other elements of their lives that, you know, that where the confidence comes from. And some may say, Oh, I have a backing of my family or support at home. Like my family will take care of me if things went, went bad. And then I know, for an example, that for me and my family and my mom, that I am the one that has to, you know, make sure that I'm going to work and uh, be reading about, you know, being very fiscally responsible and saving and investing and all that um, uh, and making sure that all of that is taken care of. But I don't think that my pride and my confidence uh, comes from those things like, oh, I've mm. secured X or I get paid X. It usually comes from if something went wrong, would I have the skills and will I have the, do I have a skill set so diverse that I would be able to kind of fit in into, uh, into different roles or different systems? And the answer to this is uh, a yes, but I say yes, because I'm constantly, constantly learning. Right. right. Um, like if you said to me, Oh, we're going to create this motion graphics video. Uh, and then this is the, this is the deal with it. I will get in there. We're gonna produce that video, right? Uh, if you ask me, like, let's do the sound recording of this, and then this is because I'm constantly learning Adobe. Like, uh, if you said, um, let's crunch the data, uh, you know, using SQL, because in my free time, that's literally as as boring, as boring right. as it sounds. That's <laughs> not to me, not to me, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not to you, but um, I mean, this is the work that you do, and then web design, webflow, like, yeah. let's create this. Um, and then, and you, I think you can kind of see that in blue preamble because one right. of the things that people get really shocked by or surprised by is that I create preamble on my own. Like there's mm. no one that, and um, and I, it's an avenue I think to some degree that shows my skill set. Like what can I achieve uh, in terms of skill set and how diverse is my skill set? Right from doing the research, finding out the data, analyzing the data, deciding how I'm going to tell the story, distributing the data and you know engage and, and doing the engagement um and all those parts like designing websites and all that and yeah i think that answers the question yeah. that my pride actually comes from my ability to constantly learn and my uh interest in always wanting to learn from people and learn and learn new things um and uh and yeah, that's uh, that's that. But I was gonna say the reason why I'd asked you initially uh, in terms of my career now, I would have yeah. said my uh, uh, the mentors and the sponsors that I that I I, I would say that I have. <laughs> Sometimes right. you know you can say you have a sponsor, and the person is like, I don't think I'm your sponsor. You know, yeah, the yeah. reason why I say this, uh, the reason that I say this, is because I think throughout our careers there are decisions that we we could possibly make. And sometimes we may make those decisions based on emotions. And sometimes right. you need wisdom 
from someone more senior uh, or someone yeah. who has done that before you. And you have to have uh, the discipline to say, hey, uh, um, or the coach to say, hey, I'm thinking of doing this. What do you think? And I would say right. that that has been very critical in my career at Google, where I'm able to share uh, share uh, ideas that I have, and then I can get counsel from someone to say, well, I've learned because I've gone through this, the best decision is to do X, Y, Z. Or I think this is a bit premature in this decision, or I think, you know, you've done this for too, too long. And then I think, you know, it's time to explore something new and try something. Yeah. So I do think that that is very critical in making sure that you're not making, uh, constantly making emotional decisions uh, when it comes to your career. Yeah. That was very interesting. And a lot of the things you talked about actually could resonate with a lot, especially, you know, how you're talking about um, your pride comes from the idea that, you know, you're constantly improving and that you know that through this effort of always improving that you have the skills or I guess experience, right, to be able to tackle any challenge that could come your way. Um, I think it's like, you know, very, very similar to me, like for one of the things well, one of the concepts I, I always have and I always like try to throw around with people is this idea of, of having receipts. And, you know, like, what is a receipt? A receipt is, an, is evidence of like purchase of something, right? So for me, I use the term receipts to, to, to indicate like it's proof of that you are who you think and say you are, right? So it's evidence that you have the ability or the skills experience to to deliver or like you know to basically give you that confidence right in your own abilities right so in the case and and a lot of that comes from you know this idea of constantly wanting to improve self-development learning um and then that's how you stack your receipts that's how you build your proof and that's how you develop your confidence right that's yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah, that's how I also see it. Yeah, um, it's so interesting that you that you say that, but I think that also has to come with the awareness of knowing what you're not good at. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think that 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 is the added layer to say there is an awareness that I'm constantly learning, and that the pride comes from there, or the confidence comes from there, but also that confidence and pride is also like self-aware, if that makes sense. Like I am aware right now, like if you were to ask me, okay, fine. Are, the, are there things that are like your weaknesses that you need to work on that you, you know, that you kind of need a, like uh, an added layer to that? hundred percent. Like there are things that I know now that I'm aware of. Um, and uh, uh, I, I wrote a quadrant um, mm-hmm. uh, right. earlier this year where I wrote in one quadrant where like, these are things that I'm really, really, really good at, you know, mm-hmm. like these things. Am I like, you know, I know how to do this. And even if, you know, you had to wake me up in the middle of 3 a.m. and be like, good man, we're doing this. I will do that. And I wrote in another one where I knew that that was like a weak point, where right. uh, a weakness, right? Where I really wasn't skilled in that field. And maybe that was required of me, but I was mm-hmm. really, really not skilled. And I wrote, how, how do I, you know, um, like, uh, you know, uh, have a, uh, uh, how do I meet myself halfway when it comes to that? Like, and how, right. what a way, you know, that is like maybe reading more about that, engaging or being familiar with, uh, with that. And then there were, uh, there was another one where I wrote like these things I'm really familiar with, but I'm like, you know, really, really, you know, lacking 
uh, uh, on that, and, and you know, and I'm really, um, uh, you know, you know, still I have an idea, but I haven't really put my 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 mind into it. And the last one was around like these things that are very aspirational, right? Like you know, one day I want to be able to achieve this and do this, and uh, and uh, and then these were both like personal and then uh, mm. uh, uh, professional. Like I mentioned, like I didn't know how to swim, and I put my time into it. I was like, I want to be in that deep ocean swimming. Right. <laughs> I, like, I want to do, and mm-hmm. this may take me one year, but I really want to do this. Calisthenics, same thing. Uh, I wanted the flexibility that comes with that, the health benefits that come with that. Uh, and uh, yeah, so the, the, it, it, you have to have the awareness of knowing I'm not good at these things or have the awareness to be like, I've actually kind of hit a roadblock. I need to kind of reset. Uh, and, right. uh, and, and, and yeah yeah so it's, it's almost like a personal like SWOT analysis or something right mm-hmm. to some degree yes. nice nice um so before we move on to the next uh question I actually want us to just dive in a deep deep sorry dive into the origin story for preamble right you know just tell us like you know how did that come about you know what was the thought process you know what inspired you just you know just give us what is preamble in the first place? Because I think for a lot of people who might be watching this, they might not be familiar with what preamble is in the first place. So maybe yeah, tell us the story. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So um, so the preamble story, and it, it, uh, I I know this narrative of you won something ten years ago, or lost something ten years ago. Yeah, uh, is more. It's this idea that oh. Um, I don't want to create this picture that I'm like, oh, things were decided before you, you know, <laughs> like mm. you don't have to put in the work. But I'm going to share that again because uh, I'm sharing it now in the context that things are always connected to some some way. So right. I had a class at LA and uh, it was by Ms. Uh, Kate Craft. Uh, and she had a chapter. It was around South Africa's constitution and how the preamble of South Africa's constitution is like ambitious. Mm-hmm. It's like the most ambitious constitution in the world. Because it says South Africa belongs to all those living it. And mm-hmm. there was a line there that I remember. I mean, I was probably like, how old were we at? LA 16, 17, 18, 19, around, around there. Mm-hmm. It said, realize everyone's potential. And I was like, that is the most ambitious thing anyone can do. Imagine a country realizing everyone's potential and making sure that that potential is realized. I was like, that is the most ambitious thing that we could potentially do as a humanity. Like realize everyone's potential, your potential, my potential, your neighbors, your friends, your mothers, you know? Um, Because in life, you do read about stories where someone's like, oh, I gave up who I wanted to be because I got into this. I got into this marriage or I got into Mm -hmm. this job or I got into this tragic event and that limited me to actually realizing my potential so that sentence stuck with me going into college and i remember i took a class uh in college um it was called comparative politics they brought back the preamble of the south African constitution and the <laughs> professor was like this is one of the most ambitious preamble constitution in the world and i was like wow <laughs> and i read it again and i was like yes it is yeah <laughs> you know uh, but that word uh, um, realize everybody's potential is on the preamble of the South African constitution. So mm-hmm. when I came into Dublin, I joined in Google and I joined sales. I really enjoy sales. I really believe in the product, 
really believe in what the company does. It's really related to my values and my story. Uh, uh, you know, you know, act, you know, giving access to uh, to information to everybody in the world. Uh, right. you know, uh, there's a status equalizer in some way, right? That if someone knows the information uh, in uh, somewhere in the rules of uh, 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 you know the KZN in South Africa, or you know someone in uh, uh, in um, uh, in Soho in New York, you know this this idea that you could access information. So I I believed in that. But anyway, I was gonna say that I there are things that I did that were a tradition to me that were known to my friends or to mm-hmm. my network that mm-hmm. didn't know uh, that didn't know that I I did that. For an example. I always dedicated Wednesday to writing and I always read, I always read in the afternoon around, around 11 PM. Like I mm-hmm. always read, like I always, I always do like I grab, um, I, so there were like these rituals. And then in the morning when I wake up, the first thing I do, I read the news. Like I open the New York times. I see what's, what's happening in New York times. I do it different rounds on the economist. Sometimes I don't have to read. I just have to like, you know, but I, I'm like aware of these things and there are, these things that I do that my friends would like not talk like, Oh, is it interesting? You know, that this person did this or this, 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 that. Right. So, and, and I was doing that. And every single time throughout the years, I would say in the past year, three years, people would be like, why don't you release these things? Or they would see how mm. I like I'd written them. Would be like, wow, that's so good. Why don't you release this? Why don't you write this? Why don't you, right. you know? Um, and, and one of my friends, his name is Orela Depo, uh, Oladipo. Uh, he's Nigerian, uh, now lives in the US. Uh, and we'd gone for coffee in one of our favorite co- coffee shops uh, while he was living in Dublin. And uh, and I told him, I was like, dude, I want to do this thing. And I want to showcase you know, my designs and the work that I do and the things that I like doing in my private time. Um, and, uh, and he said, just do it. And I... In my mind, I was like, but how would I do it? Just, just, no, just start. Yeah. And one day, I remember this would have been a year ago, uh, and I was looking for a word. I was like, there's no other word. There's this thing, there's this idea that realizes everyone's potential, which is in the preamble of the South African Constitution. And a preamble is an introduction, right? That's the meaning of it. And I was mm. like, I'm going to call it preamble because I'm praying homage to the country that I was born in. That oh, nice. too, to some degree, real like where i realize my potential right. uh, in some way so this word and this story is connected to me and i called it a uh, preamble but one of the things i was really passionate about uh like when i do my private you know uh, writing or analysis was also connected to the story of me being a debater as a, mm-hmm. as a kid I of wanting to understand what's happening with the world what's happening with in, in the geopolitics what's happening in business you know the the kind of uh, the kind of you know work I was reading, um, or the kind of books I was reading, and the you know I would do like w- things that people would call instead of where like go, go through like annual reports like that used to be, <laughs> it still does even now. I was going through um, the there's a bank itself called Capital Bank, and I was going through their annual report, reading it, just being just wanting to understand the business and how the business operates and. And, and, and all that and how they made their money between like private banking, commercial banking and, and other uh, avenues. But I was like, there are these things that I do that could actually be, uh, I, I could create a kind of a thing uh, around it. And I created a preamble. And um, a preamble, 
uh, is uh, 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 a data visualizer and a distributor and a platform to share information about the continent. And I've kind of shifted uh, going to 2024 to share uh, content about the world because I've lived uh, in different geographies. I lived in the US, I'm from South Africa, and now I live uh, uh, in Europe. So the idea was I could actually just you know, share uh, information about the world as I understand it and the world right. as from, from my, my point of view. Um, I would say uh, most of the inspiration came from, I would say most of the regions of the world have a publication or have an institution that's to some degree, even though it's like a news organization, is a voice or is right. like a, a cultural uh, or is a, like an institution that kind of shows what the cultural perspective to that institution or that country is. One is, I think of the New York Times as like New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, as you know, institutions that kind of tell you what America thinks or what, where America stands uh, right. in terms of geopolitics and stance. And in Europe, when you think of the Financial Times, The Economist, they tell you this idea of what it means to kind of you know, be European or what it means to uh, what's happening in the region. They're kind of a voice. Roman, you're just telling us a bit more about the origins of, um, you know, Preamble, and you're just sort of diving into, um, you know, closer about how you thought about, you know, journalism in the US and in Europe, and now you're sort of like reflecting on, on how it's being portrayed within Africa. So if you just continue that story. Yeah, so I was going to say that the, so the thesis for it was this idea that the, the uh, like Africa in the global context. I use that, I keep using that word, like right. Africa in the global context. But I think the first iteration of preamble was uh, Africa in the global context, but for Africa, right? But right now I'm thinking of it as uh, an African that is aware about what is happening in the world yeah. and, has a, and has a voice in that world. Like if you think of it in the analogy of music, like Afrobeats has a perspective in music globally. It's It has its own you know, uh, it, it's its own sound and it lives in, you know, with with other genres, right? So I'm thinking right. of it in that context to say uh, an African can actually exist and have a global, uh, in a global perspective. Um, um, and I'm going to share something now. I hope I don't get canceled. I saw, uh, <laughs> I saw one of your streams, one of your streams uh, and someone was uh, answering a question and you were like, hold up, I don't want to be canceled. <laughs> uh, I, I don't uh, end this one. I would say that I have encountered people in my life uh -huh. that have perceived this idea of being from the continent as not like glamorous, if that makes sense, mm. uh, or as not like cool. And I'm like, wow, that is like, I think my identity as being from the African continent, the most interesting and the most fascinating thing about about you know about me and exactly and preamble for me stands for that it's like this idea of africa in the global context the fact that we have a voice right. uh and we have a perspective about you know who we are as a people and where we're going as a people and what we stand for as a people and uh and then for me preamble is that and uh you will see that come to life in 2024 as mm -hmm. I, uh, I add that voice, um, and 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 I kind of give that perspective of, you know, uh, how to share data, how to uh, engage with that data, because the most of the data I shared in twenty twenty three didn't have, uh, 
didn't have context. So I'll share the data and say, this is what's happening in this place. This is the data. But now uh, if you give it context and say, this is why this is happening, this right. is way context of it. So I'm going to move, I'm going to actually realize the Africa in the global context. It's a very, it's a very risky, uh, risky move. Right. Um, but I think it is giving context to things to say, this is why, um, uh, this is why this is happening. Yeah. Right. When you say context, are you speaking in terms of context and the African perspective? So going back to the narrative of like, you know, Africa as a global voice on whatever is going on or like how, how are you sort of thinking about that? Yeah, that is very interesting because that is a really good question because different countries have different identities. Exactly. Um, it's interesting when I read Steve Jobs' book, I think there's a uh, uh, there's a time in the book where he's in Istanbul and in Turkey, mm-hmm. and he saw I think some kids wearing the uh, the earphones, and he was like, "Wow, so many cities in the world are literally becoming the same because of globalization, right?" So I would say in that like same thought, if you go to Nairobi. Mm-hmm. the infrastructure of Nairobi I mean it's and you go to uh, let's just say Joburg or Cape Town um, one would say the city the idea of a city a globalized city the people may be different the culture may be different but most things are starting to kind of globalize like there's a perspective there's a way there's an idea uh, and right. then that has been possible by social media uh, the fact that we are all connected and all that but right. one would argue that every city has its own personality, its perspective. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like when you see those memes online, they're like, people are like, New York is not a real place. Like New York City is not a real place. Yeah. You know, because there's a way, there's a way of being like a New Yorker in some way. Like exactly. you can kind of it's, like it's this, a whole culture. You know, it's like a whole like yeah, way of yeah. living. It's just different. Living and life and yeah. active and um it's expressed in their media and all that. Same thing I think you would find if you were to go to, uh, you know, Hong Kong, right? Or you were to go to Cape Town, right? Every city has its own perspective. And what I mean by uh, in the global context, that context means those perspectives that those cities have to say, right. we are doing this because this is what doing this means for us. For us. And this mm-hmm. is, yeah, and, and this is what, this is our context. Like this is, this is why this is being done. Um um, and one example that I can give, maybe it's a very commercial one uh, mm-hmm. and uh, a very seasonal one is South Africans are people who on average statistically order a lot of camping chairs around the world. And most of the camping chairs that we order actually not primarily because of that we're going camping. We do go camping in high numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but most of them are just the camping chairs are used for just sitting at home in an events, outdoor events. The camping chairs are very convenient. You could pack them in a car, head out, and then go and go, right? right. And uh, in the context of South Africa, that makes sense. Uh, and if somebody were to observe that uh, statistically and be like, why are they buying so many uh, you know, uh, camping chairs? Um, one would be like, oh, that's like that, that's weird. But that's that's con- there's context there. Exactly. So that's what I mean by Africa in the global context, like in the in the realm and in the context of the world. And, you know, statistically, we're going to be the youngest city, you know, we, uh, sorry, uh, some of the, like, some, the, some of the biggest talent in the continent will come from Africa, because right. we're relatively young, at the yeah. age of 19, so we'll need to 
uh, we do have a perspective now, but going into the future more, I think there's going to be, uh, we're going to need more voices. Uh, that's why right. I like what Kenya uh, Digital uh, from Kenya, but I think mm-hmm. there's going to be more needed to kind of define what, you know, when someone is saying the Gen Zs or millennials, but what are the African millennials doing here? Right, right. All right, so switching gears, um, you know, just going back to now speaking a bit more about, you know, your personal life as well as your career. Um, my next question for you is, what is the biggest challenge you ever faced in your life and how do you overcome it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I can share this. Um, and I don't think I've shared this ever uh, publicly because I know that, you know, we streams, they go in online forever. Right. Uh, it's like this thing that you said, Will forever, will forever be, uh, will forever be there. In years, five years down the line, someone watch it somewhere. Um, but I think one have one of the biggest challenges I've had to face is more personal. I lost uh, three of my closest brothers, like my blood brothers, um, when I was in college, when I was at Marist, um, and I lost them in a short span of time, like one year after another, and then another one was like a couple of months, um, and. Um, yeah, to some very tragic events. Um, and I would say that has been my biggest challenge because I almost didn't graduate from college because yeah. of um, the way I dealt with it was I ignored the being in the moment of grief or like just being in the moment of realizing, oh, these people that I had in my life uh, are no longer part of my life. And, and, I'm all, and I was away in a different country uh, and not close to my family and then having to constantly then make decisions throughout that time to maybe write exams right or they're like right. oh there's this is happening uh at home or you this this just happened uh, and then having to constantly decide over that i'm like okay i'm on scholarship i need to push uh push this uh, but there is something that is part of me that has happened to me that or to me or to my family and I need to be there for my mom and sister at home. Uh, but I, at some points, I cannot be. I have to fly back and um, and and then be uh, and and be uh, at college and, and and finish that. And I would say that this uh, you know speaks to I think this um, time that we're currently living in now about you know chatting about identity, chatting about like mental health. Uh, you know what it means to like, for example, be right. a man in this time. Right. Mm-hmm. take care of yourself and take care of the closed ones i would say that i didn't take care of myself then mm-hmm. uh you know they passed away and and uh and i remember um uh the counselors that i had and the people that took care of our scholarship um would you know uh did i i, w- I would say did the lord's work <laughs> looking <laughs> back yeah uh, uh, I remember, uh miss laura cobb mm-hmm. uh, she was the director of mcf I think she drove down once, I think, uh, with some of her family members and at Marist uh, at some point. And she was like, hey, you know, let's go for uh, for a chat, uh, for lunch. And and it, at some points, I needed to listen to that, to people right. saying, you've gone through something. And as a result of going through that, you have to deal with that. You have to right. deal with having lost family members at a very short time. And I didn't take care of myself. And what do I mean? I didn't take care of myself. I went into work. Like mm. I was just working um, 
doing things at college, just distracting myself to be like, I don't want to, and I was just working, like doing things. I remember I look at pictures of myself. Uh, it's so interesting. Some people would say to me, oh, you look so different from how you were to now. I'm like, yes. yes. Like <laughs> there were times I would see meals, like I would not eat. Like, and oh. we had, and I think we had a cafeteria in our dorm, yeah. like the new dorms. Mm. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't even go. Like, and I was binging on, like, I would eat. The only thing I would drink is probably Coca-Cola. Like, I would drink Coca-Cola. Mm. And, um, like, I was just, I, what I'm trying to say is, like, I was not in a really good diet. Less, yeah. And I was not taking care of myself. And I was just, mm. like, day in, day out, distracting myself from this thing that, um, uh, you know, that I was, you know, going through. Um, and and the way I dealt with it was work. I was just working, doing things and uh, not being social um, and uh, just distracting myself. And it is through when it crashed, when it all came down crashing. Yeah. As they always do. And yeah. one of the ways it crashed was that I didn't have enough credits to graduate. Like mm. to, you know, and I was like, I actually didn't graduate, you know, I, I need more credits and my scholarship timeline is, you know, uh, is hit and, and I need to, you know, I need to find a solution. It was through, um, uh, you know, those people that, you know, were able to observe me to say, Hey, good man. We don't think that the way that in which you have dealt with grief, uh, should define who you are. Um, right. We don't think that the mistake that you've made of, you know, not taking care of yourself or uh, not being there for yourself when you needed to, you know, uh, uh, it defines defines you. And it was it took them saying, "We support you in what you're going through, and we will be here uh, until you push through until the last the last day." And let me tell you, it was hard because I had to right. go back that that, and it was emotionally very very hard for me i was like why do i have to do this thing but looking back it did pay off because it was true the way in which i dealt with grief and what i was going through shouldn't have defined me because after then i was able to kind of pick myself back up um and take care of myself and know the limits of, of being like time to close your laptop focus on something else the right. work will come to you can always you know um, eating healthy, like, you know, starting to go to the gym, you know, right. taking swimming, mm -hmm. uh, uh, be more sociable to be like, okay, it's fine. It's okay. And looking back now, I usually say, and I've said this, uh, moving to Ireland has been one of the greatest gifts in my life because nice. it, yeah. gave me, it gave me the peace. It gave me the, and I began to like who I became. Um, right. And, and uh, and I didn't ignore the uh, um, the the what I was going through, right? And and I needed I needed to embrace the fact that I need to grow now. You know, my family members are not around. It's okay. Like right. I've lost them. In some way, in my in my mind, I had to kind of get myself to believe that wherever they are, they they are very proud of me, uh, even though that I can't go to them and say, "Hey, look at this thing that I've done." And but exactly. it's just like the idea that. You, Use three people in mm. such a short span of time, of time yeah. and it hit me the way that I kind of ignored it to be like, "Oh, I'll be fine, I'll be fine," until it came crashing, 
I think in 2018. Uh, and right. I need to really take it. And looking back, like I'm really proud of the progress and how much, like how far I've come uh, and not like being uh, triggered to being like, if I want to ignore something, then I'm going to focus on work, you know, right. and I'm just going to put my work uh, and then just to, to be more wholesome. And I think right now my experience and my, my life is more wholesome and I'm very, very proud of myself for that. Yeah. 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 I mean, bro, that's, that's really inspiring. I mean, like, I know for a fact, as someone who's lost a lot of loved ones, it's never easy to just lose a single loved one, right? And for you to lose three in a short period of time, that's, yeah, I, I can only, I, I mean, I can't imagine what that must have been like. So, yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's very commendable and very, very, like, admirable for you to, you know, be able to go through that. Now, looking back and having this, like, this reflective experience to be like, Okay, this was an experience that I had to go through, but it didn't necessarily define me. And I'm able to like, you know, grow and become better because of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Moving on to the next question. Um, Goodman, what, what advice would you give someone who's trying to do the same things as you? Ah, that's a good one. I think I would give them a different advice because of the context in which we currently live. Uh, okay. I think if I had to advise myself years ago, it would be very, very different uh, uh, to, to now. Um, but I think one of the, the things I would say, and it's still true about me today, is always ask. Mm. Always ask. I, I usually say that most of the opportunities that I had or most of the opportunities that I, some of the ones I got were me reaching out and as, as, as weird as it may have sounded to ask for those opportunities, I, I did it anyway. Yeah, I reached out and asked. And, um, and I would say the first one is the courage to ask. Um, the reason why I say that, I would have redirected people to tools like uh, watch this, but I would say the first one is the courage to ask. And the reason why I say that is because the opportunity that you probably want, um, the person is probably not thinking of you on top of mind. And you have to go there and ask and say, hey, I'm thinking about this. Or, hey, do you know this person? Some people will reply, some will not. But I think you have to practice the art of just asking. And I draw that to even now, like some of the opportunities that I get at work, it is me having reached out to somebody and said, hey, I have this skill set. I'd like to work with you on X, Y, Z. Um, and um, the second one is around communicating uh, what you value and what you are passionate about. I think that is very critical. So I think if you tell people what is it that you like and you communicate what is it that you're interested in, they also become your advocate in some way because they will know. They say, hey, do you know Joe is interested in this? And then they'll start you sending you resources. They're like, we know that you're interested in this. Hence, we're going to send you this, right? Um, so this idea of communicating who you are, what you do, and what you're interested in. I remember when I first got my internship uh, in New York City, in Madison Square, uh, at Grey Group, um, and I was sitting in a table uh, with uh, uh, at a LA fundraiser 
And I was communicating about what I was passionate about and what I was interested in. And little did I know that I was sitting next to uh, the general counsel of Gray Global Group. Um, mm -hmm. And he said, hey, do, uh, do you know Gray? And I had no idea what Gray was. And uh, I bring that example as being able to communicate and just continue to communicate what is it that you what is it that you're interested in, what you're passionate about. And it doesn't matter where you are in terms of geography. You could be in South Africa, you could be in Germany somewhere, you could be any other country. But those two things, I think, being able to ask and uh, uh, communicating. But the last one is conviction, I think. And it's something that I mentioned that I think I have. <laughs> um, the reason I say conviction is because I think with conviction, even when something is trendy, there comes a discipline of saying, actually, I shouldn't take uh, take part in that. And that is something really powerful, right? To be like, this is trendy now, but I don't think contextually this is the right time for me and for this thing. Or this, or I don't think this thing fits into who I am. Or I don't think like this connects with me or who I am. And I think you can only do that when you have that groundedness and conviction of this is who I am. This is what I like that when everything is trending, you're not trending with everything, you know, there is, um, I think that, and, and it, I think that takes time to build. And I think you have to kind of try different things, um, to then realize, okay, this is what I, this is what I like and all that. But the asking part is really important. Like you could tell your teacher, uh, you know, this is what I'm interested in. I'm passionate about, please redirect as much, you know, as you can. Uh, and, and, you know, the people around you, um, I'm repeating myself, but I think those three things, yeah. uh, uh, you know, uh, asking, uh, ask as much as you can. It, it's going to be weird, even on LinkedIn, like send that direct message, reach out, yeah. ask, even if you're looking for someone's email. Uh, I remember when I was at LA, I did the show, the MTV Bays Meets Africa where I interviewed Winnie Madigazela Mandela, Mama Winnie. Mm, uh, I had actually reached out to the people that are producing the show in previous seasons. And I said, hey, I'm a student at ALA and I saw you guys did the show and the show was aligned with what I was interested in, right? Goes to story, mm. conviction, you know, telling stories. I literally reached out to the production company. They said, hey, guess what? We're actually in production now. We're doing, uh, we're doing um, auditions. Uh, and I asked Theo Sutherland then, who was working at LA, and, and I said, I really need support. I want to go audition for this thing. Uh, but, you know, on campus, I will need probably a bus. And he was like, right. I got you. Yeah. Went for the audition, got into the show. Yeah. Um, and it came through me sending an email, random email. To, yeah. to, and then sending my profile, this is who I am, this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I've done. I'm really interested in the show. And they said, hey, uh, we're in production. Um and so I think that speaks to the element of the asking. I do that even now. Like when I was in yeah. New York uh, last quarter at work, um, I have this unique skill set that a lot of people um, uh, on average don't have. And I can do it at a, at a rate and at a speed that on average people can't. And I volunteered my skill set in a project we're working on. And I delivered. And, um, and it came from asking if those people that I'd met had no idea that I had that skill set and I could exactly. do it at the speed. They would have never known. You yeah, know, the, true. They could hired, yeah, they could have hired someone else or it could have been done, but not done to the level on the standard. So because I said, hey, I have the skill set, I can help. 
I'm happy to help. Um, and yeah, but I think I think those three things, conviction, reaching out and asking, and then now we have the most important thing, which is the algorithm. I usually right. say, <laughs> I know people complain online and say, oh, this algorithm is giving us junk and all that. Uh, and I say, you know, you could actually trick the algorithm to give you the content you want. And I do that on these platforms. I always <laughs> make sure that I, don't, <laughs> I always make sure that I don't like things that I don't want to see. Right? Exactly. So I'm, like, I'm not mm -hmm. going to like this because I don't want anything. So I won't give feedback to this thing too. Yeah. So the things that I watch, like if you saw my feed, it's literally the things that I like seeing. Right? Exactly. Like that you want to see. Yeah. Things that are creating reels or TikToks of saying, hey, I you know, came across this research and this is the, these are the findings. And I'm like, wow, that is so fascinating. But it's because I've tricked the algorithm into actually exposing me to things that are, I really want to see. Uh, yeah. And, um, and uh, yeah, and you, you can do that. You could, uh, um, you know, try, you know, save, subscribe to channels. Some of them could be aspirational. You're like, I don't understand this but they expose you to to an interesting world to be fair yeah 100 um yeah i mean th that's those are solid like such like wealth of nuggets type of uh advice you know um especially the the, the bit about asking i mean when i look about back at just my own journey experience a lot of the opportunities achievements they all stem from just asking right just reaching out, just being like, hey, um, can you create this opportunity for me? Like, hey, I want to do this. Can you help me with this? And I and it's 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 very interesting that you actually gave the story about like like ALA, like similar to me, like the moment where I realized how important asking was was at ALA when I think it was during assembly, and I think Kate Kraft, I don't know if you remember Kate Kraft, she's just giving this advice about how just just drilling to us the importance of just asking. She's just like at the end of the day, the worst that could happen is that the person says no, right? The person just says like, sorry, I can't help you. Or sorry, we don't have this opportunity for you. And like, cool, that's fine. Just move on, ask the next person or the next opportunity because there's always going to be those opportunities for you to ask for the things that you want, right? So yeah, it's, it's funny because like a lot of people, it's the one thing that a lot of people seem to miss, you know, just... They yeah. might come up with all sorts of ideas of like, oh, maybe I need to get this skill or, oh, I need to like have these qualifications. When in reality, like if you just ask, maybe the way you are with your skills and experience, that's good enough for whatever opportunity that you're asking for. Yeah. Um, and one thing I wanted to add to this is the the idea of time mm -hmm. uh, and something that we we never like focus, like we rarely focus on. There's something about time. And, and I love time because it's like, it really, if, you, if, you, resource. if you are, time, trust me. yeah, the reason why I say that is, you know, sometimes I do think that the opportunity, it wasn't the time yeah. for you. Like, if mm -hmm. you think that like, it wasn't time, I remember at Marist, um, I had wanted to run the school newspaper and I was right. I wanting, I would attend all the meetings. I would attend. And I was like, I really want to run the paper. I really want to run the paper. I really want to run the paper. It only happened towards when I wanted to graduate, when I met Bernadette. Right. And those two years, when we introduced For the Record, we rebranded the paper. 
those were probably the most two important like years of that newspaper's history. Mm. And because we renamed, we rebranded it, we, we digitized it, we made sure there were systems in place. And and I think about it, I was like, if I had gone in there earlier, I wouldn't have worked with Can, Tara, no, Ben, sure. who's now at Spectrum News. Those are the some of the most talented students in media in at Marist during that time. No. And the fact that I got in the paper at that time. True. Was like the timing was just perfect, you know, because yeah. now I had like a tribe of like super talented people and I was really passionate about what I was doing and I was at ease with, you know, being like, okay, we're going to graduate, everything will be sorted. And if I'd forced myself, so every single time I, I'm rejected, sometimes I'm like, I'm really passionate about these, this thing. I know I'm going to do well here, but I'm getting the rejection. I'm like, maybe this isn't the right time and maybe yeah. this, maybe. Maybe the people there are not like, it's not the right condition for me to go in, right? Right. Uh, sometimes it may also be signaling that, hey, try something else. This is not for you. But I think time is time. just so important. It may be that, it, you know, you're passionate, you're going to be good at this thing, but it's just not your time. I not see that time. example. Uh, sometimes they talk about how uh, Barack Obama retired like in his 40s mm. <laughs> and then Trump started in like his 70s or something. And I'm like, that is uh, the most <laughs> accurate example in the world. Right? Same, yep. job, same job description, different timing. Different yeah. time, yeah. No, you're so right. That The timing is actually very key. And like, I'd actually go on to say that like, to some degree, it's like, it's an element of luck, right? Like to have that perfect yeah. opportunity, that perfect time, you like, you have, it's it's some element of luck to it, right? Yeah, um, Th that's yeah. true, yeah. Um. That is true because sometimes they may create, uh, you know how like organization create like initiatives and then maybe yeah. one year they're like, oh, we're going to create this initiative. And then the next two years they're like, oh, that thing is closed down. This thing that you now right. want to be part of. They're like, no, this was a two year thing. Uh, we're no longer doing it. Uh, exactly. So it means you missed that window of when the thing was happening and now it's a new era and you need to adapt and and then and keep going. Yeah. Yeah, it's just an unlucky moment in time, pretty much. Yeah. And yeah. then you you but I think if you know that you're gonna be good at something and you're gonna and you have this conviction and 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 you really, really think, you know, there are times I think when someone is perceived crazy, but you're like, I actually have this, I know what needs to be done there. Yeah. And and it's like conviction. And I'm, I'm really, yeah, like the conviction in like I'm gonna be so good at this <laughs> and I know mm. it, and it's just I need to stick with it and I just need to be patient. Sometimes you you are right. And we have so many examples in the world where it's someone is just so patient in a crazy way that at the end, they ended up being right. Yeah. That yeah. you're like, wow, they ended up like they were, that that was their thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's very similar to that. There's something I, like some advice I have once heard is where like, you know, on a long enough time horizon, like, it's very difficult to be un to be to be unsuccessful at something, right? Meaning that like if you're applying yourself onto something on a long enough time horizon, right? Be it 10, 20 years, 30 years, like you will reach that success, especially if you're consistently applying yourself every single day without fail. So yeah, definitely. You you will be hundred percent good at that, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like it's almost like impossible for you not to be good at it. It's like 
because you reach yes. all those moments like you go through all those failures and all those errors and hopefully you're learning from them such that the next time you keep on you just improving as you're going ahead yeah um yeah, yeah that's uh that's true yeah yeah cool um so my next question for you is where are you heading to uh what are you hoping to accomplish in the next couple of years interesting question um you know at this moment in time in my life i am focused on having a global business career mm. um what do i mean by that is just preparing myself for the future and um that may come into realms uh well, one is through either startup uh and or two um continuing what i'm doing now being in tech and making an impact uh, in tech and in the work that i'm that i'm currently doing um but i do see myself if you were to say you know in later in uh, uh, uh you know in i don't know it's it's very hard to to kind of predict <laughs> if you were to ask me the same question now i'm being very yeah. careful if you ask me the same question when i was growing up where i was growing up and said good man how how's life going to look like it i'd have never told you oh i'm going to live in this country called ireland and be working in school sure. and you know yeah. i would have not you said can't that. predict you so can't i predict. think i always i always try and avoid the the answering this question with uh, something definitive yeah. but i think what is what will remain true uh, about me is that I'll continue being a learner. I'll continue right. just learning, learning, and right. improving myself. And uh, and I'll always have this passion for where I come from, and uh, mm. you know, South Africa and the communities that I, um, uh, you know, that I am part of. Um, and uh, and hopefully, um, I have a there is there is a dream that I have, and I have that dream for my mom. Uh, there are things right. that I think you for her um uh before uh, uh a certain age um that i want her to to be able to experience so i think everything that i'm working towards um it is uh towards the dream of realizing that for her because right. she's done so much uh and yeah. and i think she 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 deserves she deserves that yeah um, i know this is not a definite answer but it's mm -hmm. more around um, I'm hoping for the best, but I'm hoping right. that I, I can realize that dream for her. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I definitely resonate with the, with the mom thing. I mean, coming from also like a single parent household as well, like, yeah. you know, the, you, when you understand the level of sacrifices and investments that it made, made into you, just like, you want to go above and beyond to just express your, your gratitude, um, for all that they've been able to devote to you. Right. Um, uh yes. and like you know in response to to what you're saying like one of the things i always like to think about um especially when it comes to like like goals dreams achievements all these type of type of things um there's something i heard uh along the lines of like basically saying that you know you don't necessarily need to be strategically correct all the time but you at least need to be mm -hmm. directionally correct right so the direction you're going at um needs like should be right to some sort of like vision or aspirations what you're going to but what you do in between mm -hmm. like that doesn't necessarily have to be always perfect you know yes awesome yeah, awesome yeah. awesome 
Cool. So switching gears, um, the next set of questions are going to be a bit more personal. And the first question I have for you <laughs> is, uh, do, do you practice self-improvement? If so, what do you do? Oh, yes, I do. Um, I do. And I had to learn that uh, uh, as I got older. And self-improvement is, I do calisthenics. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, How's that been going I for you, by the way? Uh, it's good. Sorry? How's the calisthenics been going for you? Oh, it's going it's been going well so far yeah. so i do uh improve uh practice self-improvement so i do i take calisthenics three days a week so i take them on monday thursday and saturday so i was at calisthenics before this interview for example <laughs> and nice. then i do swimming um mm -hmm. i do swimming classes um and then obviously i do sometimes once in a while uh go to the gym Mm -hmm. But I think calisthenics covers for that most of the time because yeah. you're actually not going to like an institution, like constitutional gym, like right. a, like a physical. Like you're actually doing. Um, sorry about this. It's not load shedding. <laughs> <It's>, uh... <laughs> sorry. This will right. be by far the longest view I've done. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's all good. All right, switching gears. Um, the next set of questions are going to be a bit more personal. And the first question I have for you is, do you practice self-improvement? If so, what do you do? Uh, yes, I do. Um, so I think from a physical standpoint, I do calisthenics, which is equivalent of going to the gym. I do it three days a week, Monday, uh, Thursday, and Saturday. Um, and uh, yeah, just, you know... Uh, to improve my strength and just to have good looking body, a decent looking body. I love it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as we all love to, uh, as we all desire to. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's um yeah, so I do calisthenics and I swim once in a while. Uh known for taking swimming breaks uh in between. So I do uh swimming and then like I, I don't know how to swim and I learned uh how to do that. And then the other aspects of my life that uh, that I uh, grooming, for example, like mm -hmm. going to the barber, getting yeah. a, a see the fresh cut, shape. the lineup. Uh -huh. Yeah, no, 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 I mean I see yours too. But I, was, <laughs> yeah, I, used, to <laughs> I used to have this mustache here, and I do um, remember that. Yeah, I noticed you're a lot more clean these days. Yeah, yeah. So I cleaned it up, and I was like, okay, I need to look more uh, clean. Um, and obviously skincare, it's mm -hmm. something I had to learn. Um. Uh, so I do take care of my of my skin, and I've I simplify it now, and my skin has improved uh, 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 a lot. Um, and um, what else do I do? That is oh, and uh, obviously I think self improvement in that just improving my knowledge, just learning, taking classes, um, and doing new stuff. But yeah, I think that is how I I practice uh, self self improvement. There are things that I still wish uh, I could do. Uh, but I think in the future, as time goes, uh, I will, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Yeah. Right. Now that's interesting because um, the next question is actually sort of related to that that specific topic, mm -hmm. right? And um, the question is, what is one area of your life you feel you could improve on? It's so interesting because it's an area of my life that I'm highly engaged in. Okay. Uh, which is like the physical part. Mm -hmm. But it's just more around um, 
Uh, it's more, I think, around like there are things that I okay. Maybe let me give it an, an actual like say what I'm what I mean. Okay, <laughs> um, okay. So I've seen people do like long distance running, and mm. I have friends that do that. Uh, I would say most of my friends do that, right? They do that long distance, and I do that on the treadmill for thirty minutes. After that, I'm like, guys, I'm out. but I can do that. <laughs> I can yeah. lift weights, yeah. do that. But the, that type of endurance that they do, or like they go to like Ironman or uh, uh, right. triathlon, yeah, um, yeah. and if, if, if there's anything that I would want to do, um, mm. and I'll be like, okay, fine, I've I've been able to do that. I think it's that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I can I can definitely agree with you. For me, it's the same. Like long distance running, that's probably the one thing I yeah. need to sort of work on because funny enough i think it's i think it's more of a mental really than it's a mental game more than like a physical right yes yeah 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 cool so my next question is um what does being a man mean to you hmm that is a really good question mm -hmm. um i think i usually answer this I usually think of this in the context of where did I land that? Like, where did I land to be? Mm -hmm. Like, what, what what being a man is? And I would right. say I would say the first part or the most natural part would have been the men around me when I was growing up. Right. Uh, so that would be, you know, brothers, uh, uncles, um, and... And from what I observed um, and given what I shared uh, earlier about, uh, you know, losing my brothers, I'd say that for me now, it means uh, being a role model to um, uh, my nephews and my nieces mm -hmm. um, to say, I need to be responsible um, and I need to be a good role model to them. Um, and, uh, and I need to say what I mean. Uh, right. When I say something, would mean that right, right. Um, you know there are people that are that promise uh things and never fulfill those things so right. just say what i mean uh be responsible and be a good role model yeah i think that's what it means to be a man for me yeah interesting nice yeah. um so my next question is uh what does alpha delta mean to you sort of like how does it relate to you when you hear like the term and based on a lot of the information you know about the podcast, right? How do you say it relates to you? So I think one of the things that has impressed me about you is I was able to see you from college, uh, from Marist, and to what you are now. Right. And, and to be very honest, you have put in the work and and that's been very impressive to observe and to watch and mm -hmm. you have been very consistent um and where you've not been consistent you have been very uh like you've communicated uh, when you've not been consistent right online you've said that oh, i've seen i've seen you once in a while say hey i actually broke this promise that i had with myself and this is what i did yeah, uh, and, and accountable. 
And for me, that's been very impressive to observe. Um, and, and I would say that because of that, because of that value system of, you know, accountability, uh, responsibility, and, uh, and being able to just constantly be your authentic self and wanting to improve yourself, uh, I would say those are some of the values I relate with. And as a result, I think that's what the, your podcast and me being here uh, means to me. Yeah. Uh, it means that I'm subscribing to those value systems uh, and I'm, I'm subscribing to those ideals. I hope that answers your question. It does perfectly. Yeah. 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 Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. So, um, you know, reaching towards the end of this uh, conversation, um, the last, you know, I guess, first of all, do you have any questions for me? Do I have questions for you? Yeah. How long does it take to, to edit these videos? <laughs> <laughs> How long? Oh, that's a, I mean, it depends. Like, let's just say I block out like a morning because mm -hmm. when I do my editing, it's not only I edit just the full episode. I also do the clips, the shorts. I put like the captions, like all that stuff. So I sort of like just block out like a full morning. You know, we're talking about four to six hours, give or take of just like editing. And then I just schedule okay. things out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, usually yeah, it's it could be the whole morning. It could be a whole day, just depending on on how efficient I go about it or how productive I am. Because it's not always that like, you know, I go in and I'm like very motivated to edit. But yeah, because one thing I've come to realize is that like the shooting, the recording is fun, right? The editing, that's where it's like, <laughs> it's not as fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Final remarks. Um, you know, uh, where can people find you? And like, you know, is there anything that you'd like to promote on this episode? To promote something. Uh, I, I would I say, more, yeah, um, I think the thing that I would probably promote is preamble. Uh, right. It's at preamble, uh, uh, .io or at preamble Africa. If you go online or at preamble daily, uh, essentially covering, um, you know, uh, uh, data, uh, it's where I analyze data and I speak about different topics. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, and, uh, people can reach out to me on Instagram, on LinkedIn, I'm very responsive, uh, on WhatsApp, uh, and, um, happy to answer uh, anyone's questions about anything, uh, or recommendations on anything. Uh, I'm pretty much accessible. Uh, and, uh, yeah. I, my last words, I hope I don't get cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, and for everyone watching, like, I'm going to drop crossed. all the... Fingers crossed, right? Yeah, so for anyone, everyone watching, like, and, or listening, I'm going to drop all the links, uh, you know, Preamble, his social media, within the description of this video. But, um, yeah, Goodman, you know, thank you so much uh, for joining oh, us good. in this conversation. For everyone watching, you know, this has been Alpha Delta. It's a podcast where we have conversations with people who operate at the, at a higher level than most. Um, I've been your host, uh, Joe Kayuki, and I'm with my guest here, Goodman Lapota. And it's going to be a goodbye from us, and we'll see you on the next one. Peace, everyone. Cool, cool. All right, cool.